0: Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, a production of GORECOM, in which we take the time to speak with small cap executives after they put up important news, and he's done it again. Multiple press releases, three in just seven days. With us, Frank Carnavalli, Chief Growth Officer at Universal PropTech, trades on the venture under UPI, and for friends of the U.S., UPI-PF. As the name implies, PropTech is a combination of two words. It stands for property technology. What is that? It's the application of IT to real estate to create smarter, healthier buildings. And it's a super fast growing market. For example, in 2020, there was over $7.3 billion in financing done on 300 prop deals just in the US. And there's a hundred M&A deals. Most of those came from strategic buyers, industry guys, but now private equity is starting to increase their activity. So it's a very hot, very fast growing market. And universal prop tech, as you can imagine, is a leading Canadian prop tech company. They're delivering healthy buildings to developers, owners, and operators in Canada, more than just lip service, more than $35 million in revenue over the last three years. Back on April 30th, their backlog was $5.2 million, but they've signed numerous contracts since then. Federal government, over 40 years as a customer, on and on. We can't say enough. Frank, welcome back, buddy.
1: Thank you very much, George. Great to be here and thank you for that intro, that was great.
0: Well, you guys are doing really amazing stuff in an industry that's growing super fast. And I love that's incorporating technology. Before we get to some specifics, we had you on last time and your breakneck speed with several contracts totaling in the multi-million dollars. Uh, Now you've put out three press releases in seven days. So is the breakneck pace uh, continuing at Universal PropTech?
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, if you look back two quarters ago when I started or I came back to the company, you know, we had to make a number of announcements of new technologies we were bringing in, took about a quarter or so to announce some of those deals and moving through, and now we're at it again. So we're bringing a whole slew of new technologies, and we're not done yet. Whole slew of technologies, you know, leading edge, uh, best in class, and we're making sure we go to market with the best solution. We're only as good as our weakest link, and if we have some of the best technologies across the board, we're going to do quite well.
0: Yeah, and you've definitely made some inroads with that. So let's go over some of these press releases uh so people can because the one thing is you aren't selling widgets or cannabis that things people can understand so it's really great what i want to get across to people is you know how significant some of these deals are that you're signing yep. what they mean so for example you're strong in canada but you recently announced one of the announcements that you now have a distributor in the u.s what are they distributing and is are we are, should we expect more of the same
1: yeah, um, what are they distributing? So for now, they are distributing uh, Air Sniper products, right? Which is this uh, ultraviolet germicidal uh, technology. Uh, it kills viruses, COVID in the air. Ninety-nine point nine percent validated that it it clean it kills that. Um, great Canadian company. We we signed a Canadian distributor a few weeks back with twenty-four hundred dealers across the country, and you know we did want to go hard into the U.S. We found our way in. We partner now with Alps Controls, and they will be uh, launching shortly the Air AirSniper products across their network of, of different uh, dealers and, and um, general contractors and people across the United States. Great application, great uh, platform to do it on. They are a purely digital platform, so people can go in and log in and, and pick the type of technology, the types of products that they want, and do all the transactions straight online. So we're excited to do that with Alps.
0: I think what, what I find exciting is the fact that it, you're breaking into the US market where I have to, we all have to assume competition is super intense. Uh, so how are, what, what, how are you guys able to get Sniper into a great, you know, into a great distributor? How, how, how well does it compete with every, with the status quo that's there already?
1: it's a great question i think the market uh, if you're trying to clean your air the market's in either ionization or uv and it was really just a question with the ops controls of having them understand and they and they do have, ha- having them understand that this as a uv technology air sniper is is amazing it's great it, it's quite competitive with the other ones and with our canadian uh, cost factor i think would would play very nicely for some of the people trying to buy this down there so We wanna make sure we pick the right company who knows what to do with great products. And I think we've done that. So we'll see in the coming quarters, how that rolls out. But you asked a very interesting question earlier. I think this is just the beginning. Air Sniper is
0: one. I think we'll have many more to go. Um, You also announced uh, it it seems like there's a real focus on air quality, air quality monitoring. Uh, You also announced uh, a uh, distributor and read it here because it came out yesterday universe proptech signed distribution agreement to sell uh, canary indoor air quality monitoring solution from pierre systems. Yeah. Again, not something that a lot of us can relate to. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, that's, of that. you
1: know, George, it's interesting. So, so canary, this is a little product right here. So, this is a USB connects into any USB okay. on at the moment. So, um, this is the one thing we can all relate to is we've all been through the pandemic. We all went through it pretty hard. Until the pandemic People who own buildings, who manage them, who work in buildings would never have paid attention to air quality, would never have paid attention to their ventilation systems, not to the extent we are today. And so we as a company are looking at, yes, it's been about the pandemic, but how are companies, businesses, buildings, facilities, how are people going to react post-pandemic? What's the new reality as we all go back into the offices? And it's already happened in the US, and it's now happening in Canada. Um, What's the new reality? And I think the new reality is People, uh, uh, tenants, certainly parents of of kids, um, you know, the governmental sector, everyone's looking at air quality is going to be a very big factor going forward of of determining new spend. And and so while we've already decided to go hard on UV technology, think of it this way, you own a building or you are managing a building, you need to figure out one, what is your problem, right? Do you even have a problem? Is there bad air in the building? How do you mitigate if someone comes in sick? How do you mitigate that others won't get sick? Are you doing enough? And I've said this last time. Are you doing enough as a facility owner or manager to check off a box and say, if someone tries to sue us, we're not going to be held liable if someone, God forbid, gets sick? And I don't think, and I said this last time, I don't think the market um, has really landed on what exactly are all the things we need to do to satisfy that. Is it just put in UV technology everywhere? Uh, just change our filters. What is it that we need to do? And we think going forward, and this deal with uh, Pure Systems on their uh, Canary uh, uh, technology, it's really about it's monitoring air quality in a building. So it's not just you know it's monitoring in in a lunch hall, uh, office, uh, you know, cafeteria, yeah, maybe a classroom. It's taking areas that are likely to be filled with a lot of people walking through or sitting in, and how do you make sure the air quality index, which is based off of EPA standards in the United States, how do you make sure that the air quality in that room is, is comfortable and it's solid, right? It's not in any dangerous territory. Um, when it does get in that dangerous territory or it's not optimal, that's when you start using your building automation system to start sending in fresher air, clean the air, move it through. So you, you make sure you've mitigated the risk of people Uh, spreading viruses to other people. Now, why is this one so interesting? And and I spent many months trying to find the right technology and and there was a few, this is the one that makes the most sense. Um, Think of it this way, viruses are, uh, they're very small, they're very small in in sort of uh, size as as a a particulate matter. So right now, most building standards only measure down to maybe particulate matter, down to like 2.5 microns, which, um, you know, it, it's small, but it's not that small. All viruses live in under one micron. Okay,
0: I'm so, glad you said that because 2.5 microns from all including me, I would be I don't know how to uh, reference. Yeah, no, no, that. I
1: mean, uh, you know, there's different sizes of those microns and the smaller they get, um, the more, think of it this way, the smaller the particular matter gets that's in the air, the more dangerous to your lungs, it can infiltrate, get into your blood system, the more dangerous you are to you as a person. And so coming out of uh, this pandemic, whether it's the flu, whether it's uh, uh, COVID, whatever is in the air and maybe if, if people are sick in a room, you know, it's, it's now gonna be presentable in the air, you need to clean that out. And so now it's gonna be more from a position of, uh, we have evidence, we have evidence in that room that air quality is not at the level it should be. We're seeing a spike in your uh, under one micron size particulate matter and we're now gonna freshen it out and, and clean out the air or clean it or turn on other devices and override our current building automation system to clean that. This is where the market's going. Whether they create a better air quality standard uh, that will be you know, legislated. Um, but if you're a building a government, someone who's interested in making sure that your people are safe, you're gonna be looking at below one micron in size. And we have the only uh, globally certified technology that has under one micron um, capabilities really? that's embedded. Wow.
0: And to put this into perspective yeah this is a brand new market because up until now there wasn't much air quality monitoring going on I mean there was HVAC systems and they kept them clean and they had filters but the whole monitoring side for air quality is brand new so how big could this market be in the next five years I mean you're the chief growth yeah. officer and yeah' it's,
1: it's going, going to the be big. Last six
0: months how, you know do you see it going
1: we can um, one that all the different market research shows that it's going to grow, uh, you know, significantly larger, coming out of this pandemic. So we know that we know that it's going to. I think what uh, what we don't know yet, and with all the air purification equipment and even this monitoring equipment, we don't yet know how everyone's going to choose to procure to keep their building safe. Some may choose to say, "I'm putting in a sledgehammer. I want to put in UV technology. I want to make sure my building only puts out, uh, uh, you know, clean air all the time, and that's it." Some buildings might say. Uh, I can't afford to put in all the new systems uh, but I'm just going to open up my windows and I'm going to bring in fresh air all the time and that's your solution. So everyone's going to land on what's the right solution until legislation comes around. What's the right solution to, to manage their building and mitigate risks and we think if you're a school and you're nervous about well. You know, we don't even know if we have a problem or how bad it could be. We can literally put our monitors, which are really cost effective. These suckers are really cost effective. We can lay them out in a, in a school, in a building. We can do an assessment over a few weeks or a month. We can assess the, the air quality in your building and we can look for those virus levels. We can assess that and give a report and then determine how, what changes we have to make in your system to address that. Is it uh, other HVAC upgrades? Is it new equipment? Is it changing airflow? So there's a lot of ways that we can use this monitoring technology. But as a business, we've always said it has to be evidence-based. If we can get evidence of what we're monitoring, then that determines what then your reaction is. Are you changing set points? So we're 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 picking some great technologies. And again, Yoni's. And see there's no one time. winner
0: yet, right? Is that, that right. explains why you've got the canary? Why you've also got the air sniper. I know they yep. might be slightly different too, but is it too early to do? Is, is it better to have a couple of really two? How many, how many great products do you want to have in your
1: well, George, I mean, you want to have a lot of great products. I think uh, when we talk to a, a prospect or a customer, uh, they're all at different stages and in different ages of equipment, right? For, for how they manage airflow, how they manage ventilation. Um, and even if it makes the most sense to put in that UV tech, air sniper tomorrow, uh, it might not make economic sense because of where their equipment is end of life and it might want to go a different direction. And so we just have to make sure if we're going to be, and we've said this, you know, six months ago, if we're going to be a trusted advisor to a prospect. You don't just walk in and tell them exactly what their answer is. You need to understand, do a needs assessment, figure out what makes the most sense. and need to trust that what you're recommending for them makes sense for them as a customer. And we're and that's now- You guys ourselves- have a
0: huge competitive advantage because you've had these customers, some of them for. First- as far as 40 years, because George from Georgecom air quality can go into Alibaba and source a bunch of air quality monitoring solutions, I'm assuming. But the difference is I can't just walk in to a prospect client and maybe get that sale because I've got a better price. I got a cheaper product. They are really relying on you guys to come up with the proper solution for them, right? So is that a big competitive advantage for you guys? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think the bigger, I mean, there's a number of competitive advantages of this one particular solution. And I think, you know, cost is a huge one. They're really cost effective. Uh, Two is we will be able to integrate this seamlessly into our building automation systems. So the ability, so it's one thing to say, hey, we can monitor that your air quality went down in in your cafeteria. But if you don't do anything with the information, what's the point of it? So we have an ability in real time to integrate into the, you know, the building automation systems that we already maintain and install, right, and service. And we can make sure we're not just managing a building for, you know, comfort management. Is is Susie cold in the corner? You know, are we we making sure the right ventilation is moving when it needs to move? Um, We're not just monitoring and measuring and making changes for energy efficiency perspective, which we are. We can now add in indoor air quality. So if indoor air quality ever slips, even though you want to save money, George, uh, if indoor air quality ever slips in a zone in that building, we can absolutely attack it, have set points set up so that we can fix it, rectify it, and get right back on track of where the building should be. And that is the differentiator. People out there, we've talked to some of these large clients who said to us, indoor air quality. Big issue going forward. Well, we're now solving it.
0: You put out a corporate update that talked about the highlights of the first half yep. and where you're and where you're going. So, um, uh, unless there's something specific, we won't go over the highlights of the first half because that's yep. a lot of what we've done in these interviews over the last couple of months. Yeah. Um, what's the? What are the two or three most exciting things that investors and shareholders should know about? You know where you're going? Uh, yeah. The,
1: you like, know. Uh, uh, That's a great question, George. Um, One, we're doing everything we said we're going to do, right? So I think from a second half, um, what are the things I want people to get? Well, one, we're obviously going into the US in a big way and we're going to continue. That's a big one. Right, so that's a big one. I think the other one, uh, which um, for people who, for investors who understand where I think, you know, global investments are moving and and what's happening, the alternate asset class is a huge, um, you know, huge growth annually year-over-year year in these uh, longer-term cash streams.
0: Let's talk about some examples of alternate, you know, alternate asset class. Um, so, so, you know, my house,
1: I rent out a hot water tank, right? I don't own it. I rent it. Right. And the value, there's a lot of values of, of value in doing that. I rent it. There's a service company that comes to my home as part of that package and maintains my assets, including the hot water tank, in, in case anything happens. And, you know, it's a great, it's a great service. Uh, in this market in Ontario, for, for people watching, Ontario has millions of hot water tanks that are being rented. All of them, uh, I don't know I, owns one. Yeah, and, and I can tell you uh, from an alternate asset class perspective. So let me give you, just to connect the dots on a few things, look, look at Enercare, right? So Enercare was publicly traded. Enercare had about 2 billion in, in market cap. They were trading around 10 times earnings for a number of years, couldn't really get above that. But I looked at their model and thought, so they own assets, they rent them, they made about 20% unlevered on those assets for renting them out. Uh, And they were trading at this uh, interesting sort of 10 times, which was a bit odd. Um, And then Brookfield came along and bought them for over $4 billion at over 20 times earnings. And now they're pumping the cash. Mm -hmm. They're investing into more assets to be rented out to customers. So if you start looking at, Can we build up more work to install and to service uh, if we ultimately financed, right? Whether we lease to own or whether we own those assets. Absolutely, we're gonna grow our revenue across the board by doing that. But the market is looking for, investors are looking for these interesting assets to have long-term cash streams attached Mm -hmm. to them, uh, de-risk where they can put their cash in and get their coupon clipping and taking our business you know, further up that value chain where we can end up having way more assets that we own or that we're financing and have control over for a number of years out uh, will really change the trajectory of where this business is going. So in the end, you know, a larger percentage of our total revenue should eventually be coming from assets we're under that we have under control.
0: And it makes it easier to get a customer when you do that, right? Because you walk into George Calm Real Estate and instead, instead of telling me, hey, it's going to cost you $5 million to implement this system, you walk in there and say, hey, we'll own it, we'll manage it, we'll maintain it, and just pay us, you know, $50,000 a month for the yeah, rest of it. The-
1: yeah, and from, from a single-family home perspective, people have been renting out hot water tanks. Increasingly, it's air conditioning units, uh, furnaces. More and more pieces of equipment are being rented out. And, and we're also getting into, well, what is that? It's It's sort of... Uh, we're talking about maybe energy as a service, energy efficiency as a service. It's, it's software as a service at the heart of it. We're going to put out a lot of, uh, we're going to install a lot of assets um, that allow us to then have a revenue stream from using our money in that, from selling the equipment, from installing it, from maintaining it. And we're trying to move up again, the value, uh, sort of just the value tree and sort of all the opportunities we have for our business. And I think if you look out the valuations of businesses that do this um, certainly take it to a far yeah, greater yeah. place. You know, last At last conversation we had-
0: Energy efficiency as a service. Well, last
1: conversation we had, I think you compared us and said, you know, we're like a mini IBM. And it was interesting. And I thought, yeah, that's an interesting perspective. Definitely there's an IBM element. I would say Brookfield, uh, there's a lot of other companies that really understood how to take their their knowledge, their strategy, their way to, to, to really- Manage these types of assets, and how do we increase that value? And it's by ultimately financing or owning those assets uh, and adding more value to shareholders.
0: Uh, And let's touch lastly on the U.S. expansion because we've kind of touched on it. But I'd like to like to just drive that home a little bit. Uh, How aggressive do you plan to be? Because you've already announced a a couple of deals, you know, going into the U.S. How aggressive do you want to be? And what's the profile? The kind of customers you think you're going to be able to Is primarily work through distributors. I guess that's why I want to say, yeah, yeah, you know, direct also.
1: uh, The distributor part is obviously a good way to break into the market and get more knowledge base of the different. I mean, the United States are, they're not, you know, not every 50 state is so different, but it's not maybe as homogeneous as you might be able to sell in Canada. It's a lot of different markets across the United States, and we have to be very careful how we go into them and what the value proposition is. I think distributor. Uh, distributing different products to them is a great way to generate some revenue generate some profit in the door and learn a lot about the different markets and maybe help even refine and understand what companies' assets what what places to buy um, in the short term so i think you know we'll probably have a pretty multi-pronged approach uh it's yes distributing different uh, assets into the marketplace but it's also looking for being pretty opportunistic and looking for the right type of platform. Um, clearly, we're, we're leaders in, in Ontario East from an ICI industrial, commercial, institutional perspective, and, and some uh, multi-unit residential buildings. But definitely, the game plan is to spread our wings across the rest of the country. We've already stated that, and definitely looking to the U.S. and being uh, opportunistic about where and how. Um, you know, we can't even go down there for business right now, right? There's certain things we can't do in the United States yeah. technically. Uh, And I think the goal is whatever resources or whatever opportunities we have down there uh, be strategic, the larger, maybe the easier to manage, the smaller, the more complicated, uh, if we had to fly down there and and solve some issues. So we have to be really careful of what the way into the market is, but definitely it's a multi-pronged approach and won't just be on distribution alone.
0: And last question is just talk about you. Your first half report card is done Uh, to the outsider. It looks like you did a, Pretty fantastic job. I mean, the size of the pipeline, the number of deals you're in, uh, on our last on our last interview, the number of sales going on. Yeah. Um, if that's what you're able to do in your first six months, as you're just getting back into the rhythm, you yeah. know, what does the next six, and then the next six, and the next six after that look like? Because that's how I like to look at companies from an operations point of view. Do you really yeah. find you're starting to really? hit your groove? Because I anything you start yeah. new has a ramp up time and you've almost hit the ground running. So what are the next, you know, three yeah, I, year and a half look like for you?
1: There's definitely a ramp up time every time we, you know, we bring in new products like Canary or other other things we'll shortly bring in. There's definitely a ramp up time of how do you make sure um, we, we understand how to go to market with it. I, I think it's simple. Like we, we have, we we pick a product, we pick a solution, a partner we figure out how to take it to market, we get some successes and we do it again and we do it again. So I think, um, and I, I said this before, part of the success of this is not just, hey, look, we have more revenue and and say profit, that's obviously important for shareholders, but if we're really gonna grow, it's it's obvious being publicly traded, you cannot grow just so- solely organic, that's not gonna work. And so the way to, to bring other companies in other sellers to say, we want to sell to you. We want to join your business. And even really great employees who you know we can pick up and people who can bring into our business. They need to understand what our story is, what we're trying to achieve, and that are we actually succeeding in it. So I think the first six months really helped, yes, for current investors to see, okay, we like these guys. We like what they're doing. They say what they're going to do, and they do it. Um, But it was also about making sure we can pick up those acquisition targets and convince people to join our ride as well. So uh, that is going to continue to happen. We'll continue to make these announcements of new technologies, new partnerships. Breakneck, breakneck announcements. So there's always a lag effect, but we're going to continue to do that. So I feel really excited about the next six months Um, and um, more stuff to come. Definitely not slowing down. Again, we're publicly traded. We didn't do this to stay a small you know pubco where we go have point big, playing small big. ball yeah yeah this is this is uh, go big or go home
0: last quick very quick question and answer the exchanges and the Securities commissions hate when uh, companies make pro- pro- uh, projections and predictions about future results but i'm going to put you on the spot right now for you to yeah. tell me who wins in Italy's game today, what's your? <laughs> we we need Frank Carnevale to give us his prediction projection. Well,
1: Italy's winning. I think it'll be a blowout, but Italy will win. Um, they're they're just too strong. So uh...
0: give us the number over uh, over under uh, over 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 three goals under three goals. What do you think they do today? Uh, over three goals. All right. There's yeah. the future projection. We can't get in trouble for that one. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Frank. But... Okay. So next time in your backyard, right? next time in the backyard watching uh the olympics and okay. hopefully it'll be italy versus greece doing something <laughs> even if it's sure. greco-roman wrestling
1: there you go well that's not good okay okay we're gonna congratulations
0: on man congratulations on a, on a on a, a again more fantastic announcements uh i love the entrance into the u.s market really strongly the first half report card fantastic and the second half looks great so i got a feeling you're gonna we're going to have you back on a lot in the backyard next uh, in the, during the summer, buddy. But way to go. Thanks, Rich. For everybody at home, you've been watching or you've been listening by podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, your favorite podcast platform. The Franco Carnevale. I'm giving a little Italian <laughs> there because of just in honor of Italy's uh, Euro semifinals today. <laughs> Chief Growth Officer at Universal PropTech, trades of the venture into UPI. And for our friends of the S, UPI PF. For those of you new to the story, because you've been seeing all these headlines and you're finally doing some research here, do your due diligence, two things to do. One, get to the Universal PropTech Hub and Agoracom where we've got a great profile page there so you can understand this company because there's so many moving parts. Two, watch a couple of the most recent videos that we've done with Frank or listen to them while you're going for a walk, hanging out on uh, on podcasts because what Frank has said the company is going to do, they do. And then finally, make sure you use the link at Agoracom to go over the Universal PropTech website, to you do your deep dive due diligence. Uh, universe, uh, the PropTech market in general, I gave you the numbers at the beginning. It's growing. Uh, it's growing by leaps and bounds, $7.3 billion in investments just in 2020. Uh, so the company's in the right place at the right time Do due to diligence. Just don't say 12 months from now, we didn't tell you so. Have a great day. See you next time. Hey guys, the video's over, but don't forget to help your company by liking it and even leaving a comment below. And then don't forget to help yourself by subscribing to our YouTube channel so you never miss another great Agorcom small cap video.